0: Welcome to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast aims to bring the sermon from our Sunday morning service to you each and every week. Whether you're a longtime follower of Christ or just beginning to explore who Jesus is, we invite you to join us as we dive deep into God's Word and what He has to teach us today. So listen in as we jump into what God has in store. Uh, well, good morning, good morning, Rolling Hills Church family, and Happy New Year. It's a new year, and so excited about all that God's going to do this year, and want to say a big welcome to all of our campuses this morning. So welcome to our Franklin campus, Nolansville, Nashville, Columbia, Haywood Hills, and online campus. You know, we are one church with multiple locations, and it's so exciting to see what God's doing, and I'm so thankful to be on this journey with you. You know, now that we have two campuses there in Nashville, we're kind of renaming a little bit. So we're gonna have Nashville West for our Nashville campus. We're gonna have Nashville South for our Haywood Hills campus. That's where our Rolling Hills Community Center will be as well. So 2024 is shaping up to be an amazing year. We had an incredible Christmas Eve time. God's bringing so many people. This is our time as God's people to truly make a difference for his name and for his glory. And I'm so excited about today because today we're launching into a brand new series on heaven. And I gotta tell you, I'm fired up about this because we don't talk a whole lot about heaven, but man, we know inside that there is more to this life. Think about this. Every civilization that has ever existed has had some form of the afterlife. Right You think about the ancient Egyptians and the, the pyramids or King Tut and his tomb and the burying with all the gold because they needed that for the afterlife that's what they believed right, or you think about the Vikings and Valhalla and the great hall of Odin right at the big banquet hall or or you think about you know the Greeks and the Romans and mythology and Mount Olympus and the big place where they would go with Zeus. And so the afterlife there, even today, all modern day, even religions and Buddhism and Hinduism and enlightenment and paradise and all of these things. So everybody knows intuitively inside of us that there's got to be more to this world. There's got to be more to this life. I love what C.S. Lewis wrote. C.S. Lewis wrote this, when I find frustration in this world, I know I was created for another world. You were created for another world. I was created. So many times we get frustrated in this world and we see the wars and all the bad things that are happening. and We go, wait a minute, this can't be all that there is. And we know inside that there is more to come. But what I really believe that the challenge is for most people is this, is there is a lot of misconceptions about heaven. There's a lot of misconceptions. And so people aren't excited about heaven. People kind of go, oh man, heaven eternity. I remember being a kid thinking, what am I going to do for eternity? A lot of misconceptions out there, are like we're going to be disembodied spirits. We're going to float around like Casper the ghost all over the universe, right? And you're going, okay, that sounds kind of boring, right? Or there's misconceptions to think, hey, I'm going to become an angel, you know, and, and then I'm going to sit around and play a harp all day. I mean, how boring is that, right? I would be plump with little wings and a halo and just flying around playing a harp. Nobody wants to do that. I don't want to do that. Or are some misconceptions like it's going to be an eternal church service. Okay, even I think that's boring. Okay, you know, and I love church, right? I love it, you know, but after a few hours, I'm like, okay, let's change it up. Like, let's play some football. Let's go outside, you know, let's do something, right? And so we even know inside, if that's your thought of heaven, then you're thinking, I don't know if I really want to go there. I think that's gonna be boring, right? And so this is the problem. This is a challenge because we don't know what heaven is really like. And yet God tells us heaven is gonna be more amazing than you can even imagine. And God wants you to know. God wants you to know. I mean, just imagine that when we begin to discover what heaven is actually like, we get excited and we can't wait. And we know that the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. You know, what amazes me is a lot of people will spend a ton of time planning a vacation, right? I mean, they're gonna spend a lot of time, you know, planning, maybe you already are. For the summer, you're thinking about what you're gonna do, where you're gonna go, you're spending all this time buying airline tickets and hotels and where you're gonna be. And that's like one week, right? And we don't even take the time to study where we're gonna spend eternity, okay? Our life is but a vapor, but eternity lasts Forever. And God wants you to know. God wants all of us to know what He has planned for us. The Bible says this. The Bible says, God has also set eternity in the human heart. God has set eternity in the human heart. And so you and I know there's a longing inside of us for more. There's a longing inside of us to say, I want to know what eternity is going to be like. And God says, I want to show you. So, guys, welcome to the study of heaven. I hope you're ready. Hey, if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to the book of John. John, New Testament, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels. Love for you to pull out a Bible. At all of our campuses, there's some free Bibles. Just take one, it's yours, put your name in it, and and maybe start reading the Daily Step, right? We're reading right now in Matthew and in Genesis and it's only you know January 7th so you can if you haven't started yet go back and pick up but jump in with us we're reading the entire bible through in a year but John is the gospel written by this eyewitness John who was one of Jesus' disciples and in John we come to verse 1 of chapter 14 and John is setting the context here right in John chapter 13 We're seeing Jesus turn. He's been a rock star. People are following him, huge crowds. And now he's in Jerusalem and and the tide's turning. And he's getting ready. He's saying, I'm gonna go to the cross. I'm gonna die. And and the disciples are getting nervous. Before they're thinking, here he is, the Messiah, the King. Hey, we're gonna be reigning. And and now he's going, no, it's a spiritual kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom. And, And I'm actually gonna die right here. I'm gonna go to the cross. And then he says in verse one, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. So maybe today you're troubled, you know? Or maybe today Christmas was hard or the new year starting off and you're just kind of troubled. Imagine the disciples, they were like, I'm confused, I don't understand. And and Jesus goes, listen, God's sovereign. God's got this. And I would tell you, God's got you. God's got you, trust him, hold on to him. Believe in God, believe also in In Jesus and then look what he says my father's house has many rooms if that were not so would I have told you so that I am going to prepare a place for you and if I go to prepare a place for you I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am I mean, that's pretty powerful right there, right? Jesus is telling them, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. I know things look dark. I know, you know, you're getting a little nervous here. I know things are are stressful right now, but I'm going to prepare a place for you that's gonna be incredible, right? In my father's house. You know the way to the place where I'm going. All right, red letter words, Jesus talking. And then he tells them, you know the place where I'm going. Now, I love Thomas. Thomas is one of Jesus' disciples. He kind of gets a bad rap. We call him Doubting Thomas. But I think he should be called Realistic Thomas, right? Because Thomas is the one maybe you remember after Jesus was crucified and he was resurrected and all the disciples saw him and, and they all, Thomas wasn't there, so they run and they tell Thomas, he's alive, he's alive. And Thomas says, well, I won't believe him unless I see the nail marks in his hands. And so Jesus appears to him and goes, here you go. And Thomas is like, my Lord and my God, he's alive right? Well, I would probably be the same way. I'd be like, are you sure? Well, Thomas is like, he said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? I can picture the scene, Jesus telling his disciples, you know the way where I'm going. They're like, yeah, yeah. Thomas is like, wait, 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 where, where, what are you talking about? And then Jesus answered in verse six. And I don't know if you've ever connected these two, right? From verse two to verse six here, but Jesus answered, I am the way. I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, I am the way, the way to heaven, the way to eternal life, the way to be with the Father. Jesus lays it down right there for all of us. Jesus tells us the way to heaven is through him. All right, if you're taking notes today, here's some things I'd love for you to write down, because this. Oh man, I'm excited about today, you know, but I believe God will speak to you and as we learn more about heaven, if you've got a worship guide there, if you wanna pull out the Church Center app, the Rolling Hills app there, you can go there online and take some notes as well. But look at this, heaven is an actual place. Heaven is an actual place. I think that's important for us to know, right? We're not some disembodied spirits. It says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. So I go to prepare a place. Jesus tells us that heaven is a place, right? This is important because a lot of times we have those misconceptions in our mind. A lot of times we kind of think, what's it going to be like? And Jesus is making it really clear. It's a place. Now, maybe you remember when Jesus was crucified. And he was crucified there on the cross and he he had a thief on the right and the left and one of them mocked him and said, hey, listen, you saved others, why don't you save yourself? You know, come down off this cross. And the other thief was like, whoa, 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 right? We're guilty, this guy is innocent. And he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And remember what Jesus said? He said, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, a couple of big things there. One, today. It's not like we go to a holding place. We'll talk about that more next week. But we immediately go and he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. And that word paradise literally means walled garden, okay? This beautiful garden. And Jesus goes, I've prepared a place. Now notice this too. He says, I've prepared a place for you. I prepared a place for you. That's pretty amazing, Right? Why? Because God created you. God knows how you are. God created all those joys in you, all those passions in you, all that creativity in you. And a lot of times we do get frustrated in this world. We want to have more time to do the things we want to do. We want to have more time to to be creative or or to spend time with friends or or, or to go see things. Now imagine having eternity. (laughs) Okay, think about that. Imagine having eternity to do the things that you were created to do to be fully alive, to be fully you. How awesome is that? I mean, the joy of travel, the joy of seeing things, the joy of spending time with friends, the joy of being creative. He says, i prepared a place for you. Now, listen, the Bible mentions heaven over 550 times. 550 times, you think God's making a point? Yes, he is. And the Bible talks a lot about heaven being up. A lot of people is like, where is heaven? You know? And it says that they were staring up into the heavens, you know, after Jesus ascends. They're looking up, you know, that it's always up, it's always out there. Scientists tell us that there are nine to ten other dimensions outside of our time and space. And we've kind of started to figure this out now later on, right? We've started to see travel to the moon we started to see in space and, and we know inside there's another dimension out there there's something else out there well heaven's out there right this place that you go to this place that you reside now notice heaven is the dwelling place of god and so when you look at all these civilizations they've had that kind of thought right the, the, the dwelling place of god and jesus comes and affirms that in matthew chapter six when he teaches us to pray Jesus taught them to pray, our Father who art in heaven, right? So heaven is a dwelling place of God. Heaven is out there, right? Another dimension outside of time and space. Heaven is a place and it's a place prepared for you. Heaven is eternal perfection. Eternal perfection. I mean, think about that for a moment. Being in a place where there's no sin, where there's no hurt, where there's no pain, when everything was created to be the way it is, right? Imagine that. Imagine no war, no death, no guilt, no shame. It's perfection, a place prepared for you. That ought to get you excited, right? That ought to just kind of well up inside of you. Now, it's important to note as you read through the scriptures that there's a temporary heaven and an eternal heaven. Right, and we can get a little bit into eschatology where we talk about the end times and what's gonna happen. But here's this verse found in the book of Revelation chapter four. It says, After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And a voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. So Revelation chapter four. See, God wants you to know about heaven. God wants you to know about heaven. In fact, the whole book of Revelation, right? Talking about the end times, talking about what's gonna happen. And God says, hey, look in, take a peek, and then write it down. Write it down so that everybody will know. This is important. The word revelation comes from the Latin word revelatio, which means to draw back the curtain. Draw back the curtain. So Revelation, last book of the Bible. Remember the Bible, 66 books all together, written by over 40 different authors throughout hundreds of years, but all tell the central story. Why? Because God's word is inspired. God's word was written by the Holy Spirit. And Revelation is the end. And sometimes you you can get to a book and you don't just read the last chapter, do you? I mean, if you do that, sometimes you're gonna be like, man, I don't understand it. Well, that's what happens with Revelation. A lot of people go, well, I just read Revelation, I don't get it. Well, you need it in the whole context of scripture. And when you see that in the context of scripture, God's saying, this is how it's all gonna end. This is how it's all gonna happen and go down for all eternity. Now, Revelation was written by the apostle John. And John, who wrote that in John chapter 14, one of Jesus' disciples, Jewish, Jews are very literal, okay? Very literal, So he's writing down the things. God pulls back the curtain. He's in exile on the island of Patmos. And God says, let me just show you what it's like. If you read on in Revelation chapter four, he talks about 24 elders, 24 elders. What's he talking about there, right? You've got the 12 tribes of Israel in the Old Testament. You've got the 12 disciples in the New Testament. You see it all coming together there in heaven in worship, right? He talks about, you know, even the lions. He, He talks about... Animals. You can see that in Revelation. People wonder are there going to be animals in heaven? Yes, the line of the Lamb. You see these laying down together. You go in Revelation and you talk about the streets of gold and the pearly gates and how beautiful it is. But imagine, right? John trying to write all this down with his human mind. I mean, it's like when you were a baby in your mother's womb, if somebody was trying to describe to you the world, right? I mean, you'd be like, I just don't get it. And then you wake up, you're like, wow, trees and rivers and all. And John's writing this and writing this. And so there's so many things in Revelation that we see. And you're like, oh, I get it. That makes sense. And others were going, I don't understand yet, but I will. But throughout Revelation, it's just a wet your appetite. God drawing back the curtain and going, just wait. It's going to be awesome. It's gonna be incredible. Oh, I want you to see this. Revelation 21, though, tells us this, that there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. Okay, we'll get in in a couple of weeks and talking about this. But what you begin to see is this, that there's a temporary heaven when we go, when we die, we immediately go to be with the Father in paradise, Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. But eventually, you know, you'll come back down to this earth, new heaven, New earth. And so imagine the Garden of Eden when God created this garden, paradise, and then take away all the sin and the shame and all the brokenness and the hurt and the pain. And when God renews it, it makes it all right. And that we aren't constrained by time and space to be able to travel, to see, to explore the things of God for all eternity. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be incredible. All right. Now, notice this there is a heaven and there is also. A hell. And and this is important. When we talk about heaven, you know, we have to talk about both, right? We have to talk about both. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said this, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, right? The physical body is temporary, but cannot kill the soul, the spiritual. Rather be afraid of the one who could destroy both soul and body in hell. In hell. Jesus talked about heaven and hell. He talked about both. And that's important to see, right? C.S. Lewis says, I've never met anybody with a vibrant faith who didn't also believe in heaven, but also knew about hell. And we don't like hell, you know, we don't, but, but it's a reality. If you go to Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is talking about the end times and he says, there'll come a time when, when, when God will come and he'll separate the sheep from the goats, right? Those who believe in Jesus have a relationship with him, from those who don't, and he'll say to the sheep, hey, enter into the inheritance prepared for you, heaven. But then he'll turn to the goats and he'll say this. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Now notice this is important. It wasn't prepared for people. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. The devil is the one who rebelled against God. The devil is the one who was kicked out of heaven. The devil is the one who comes and tries to tempt you and me and distract us. Why? Because the devil knows he can't get to God. And so what does he do? He goes after God's children, right? You can do anything to me, it doesn't matter, right? But if you go after my kids, that's a whole different thing. And so he tries to pull God's kids away. And when people, man, they turn away from God, turn their backs on God, even as God's drawing them to himself. So when a person dies, they go to one of two places. They go to one of two places, right? Either heaven or hell, you see that. And the scriptures make that really clear. Death is simply the gateway to where we'll spend eternity. Death is simply the gateway, right? To where we will spend all of eternity. Jesus tells us a story in Luke chapter 16. And he makes this so clear right here. He says, there was a rich man, who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. These are red letter words. These are the words of Jesus, okay? At the gate, at his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered in sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. So you got this rich guy who doesn't even care about this beggar that's right there. Doesn't even care. I mean, he's just longing this beggar to eat from the crumbs and and dogs are licking his sores and the rich man doesn't care. Well, the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. Now, Abraham, right? Go in the Old Testament, Father Abraham, he's in heaven, obviously. The rich man also died and was buried in Hades. Hades is hell. Where he was in torment. He looked up and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. Remember, hell is a place of eternal fire. It's prepared for the devil and Satan. He's like, I'm in agony. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime, you received good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. Besides all of this, between us and you is a great chasm that has been set in place so that those who wanna go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. So he makes real clear, there's this chasm, right? So you got this distinct place of hell, you've got heaven. And from hell, you can see into heaven. Now. People wonder, from heaven, can you see into hell? This is where I think, you know, the Bible tells us God will wipe away every tear from their eye. I do think there's a moment, right, when you die, when you you realize, oh man, there's people who aren't here. There's people I could have told. There's people I could have shared. There's people I could have helped. And then God will wipe away every tear. And then there'll be eternal bliss. I mean, just amazing times. But there will be that moment that you see. He answered, I I beg you, Father. Now remember this rich man who's in hell, he says, hey, can, can, can Lazarus just come? And he's like, no. He says, well, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Immediately this rich man's like, what about my brothers? I don't want them to come. Please send him there. And Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. They will repent. Repent means to turn back, turn back to God. He said to them, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Which is who? Jesus. He rose from the dead. He's made it clear for all people. See, here's the fact. God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. God doesn't want anyone to go to hell, but all to come to salvation in Jesus. That's the heartbeat of God. And God is drawing you, God is drawing all of us to Himself, inviting us to repent, to turn back, to come to Him. God's calling us as, as believers to share our faith with others. Here's what it says in 2 Peter chapter 3. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise. What's His promise? That Jesus is gonna return. <laughs> That's the promise. And when Jesus returns, he'll say enough, enough pain, enough suffering, and it'll all end right there. And then it'll be too late for anybody else to give their lives to Christ. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's the heartbeat of God. That's why God tells us what is gonna happen in the end times, what it's all gonna be like because God wants us to turn back to Him. And that's my hope and my prayer for every one of us today. Okay, listen, God gives us biblical teaching and experiences to affirm heaven. God gives us 550 scripture verses. God gives us biblical teaching, which we're going to be unpacking over these next three weeks, right? It's going to be powerful. But God also gives us experiences. You think about John in Revelation. You think about the Apostle Paul. I was called up to the third heaven. Well, what does that mean, right? But he's like, I went there. I don't know whether it was in the body or out of the body, Apostle Paul says, but I saw these things. And he's writing those down to encourage us. And we don't have to live in fear that we know there's more to come. It's also the experience of others. There's been a lot of study done about near-death experiences, right? You've probably heard of these NDEs. People who've died, you know, maybe for 15 minutes or 90 minutes and they've clinically been pronounced dead, but they go and they see and they come back. Maybe you've seen the movie, Heaven is for Real, right? Or maybe you've read the book, 90 Minutes in Heaven. Uh, I was reading a book recently called Imagine Heaven by a guy named John Burke. And John, a pastor in Austin, Texas, he's been studying and writing down all the testimonies of people who've had these near-death experiences, who've literally been pronounced clinically dead and, and hearing their stories. And we're talking thousands of people all across the globe, right? We're talking all different religions, different backgrounds, different things, whether it was car crash or cardiac arrest or people who have died and literally have come back. Some of them have been hesitant to share their story, but many of them have said, hey, here's what happened. Here's what I saw. Here's what happened in those times, that 15 minutes, that 90 minutes, that hour that I was dead. In that time, here's the things I saw. And there's seven commonalities. There's seven commonalities to almost every near-death experience. And I want to share these with you because I want to encourage you. They line up with scripture, but when you take all these stories, and we're talking, you know, bank presidents. We're talking doctors. We're talking Hindus and Buddhists. We're talking people from around the world. Here's the things that they all come back and they say out of these out of these times of being dead for that amount of time. The first is this. There's an out-of-body experience. There's an out-of-body experience. Now, we, we talk about that. You know, we kind of use that even in our vernacular, our language. I have this out-of-body experience. And Paul's and Paul's like, whether I was in the body or out of the body. I don't know if it was a vision or dream. I, I was out of the body. There's this out-of-body experience that happens when person dies. And, and people talk about this. They'll say, you know, I, I was there on the operating table, I coded, and then I could just, I, I rose up, my spirit rose I, I could see what was happening in the operating room. I, I could tell you, and then they come back and they'll say, this doctor came in and they had a beard and they, and they're like, uh, yeah, how'd you know that? Right. Or this one person said there was a tennis shoe on the roof of the hospital and they go up there later and there is a shoe. And they're like, how did you know that? People who are blind say, this is what I saw. I mean, it's amazing. I remember being in the hospital room with the lady Debbie Pitts and Debbie was an incredible woman of God. Just love the Lord. She suffered with MS and lupus most of her life. And And I was standing there when she passed. And I'll never forget watching that as it's, you know, that line. And it was like her spirit rose up because I looked at her body. and I was like, that's not Debbie anymore. She's not there anymore. You can literally tell that this shell of a body stays here, right? Your spirit goes on. There's this out-of-body experience. Second commonality is this, a bright light. There's a bright light. We hear that a lot, right? We saw this bright light. But think about that. In heaven, it tells us we don't need the sun. There is no darkness. The light of God, the light of heaven. So you see this bright light. The third thing you hear from people is they behold Jesus. <laughs> they behold Jesus. Even people who aren't believers, even people who are Hindu or Buddhist who had no relationship with Jesus. Now they come back and they give their lives to Christ, right? I mean, it's incredible. But they say he's so warm and comforting, and peaceful, and they know. It's just like, I know that is Jesus. Yeah, here's the fourth thing, right? They see two distinct places, two distinct places. As you read through all these testimonies and all their stories, they're like, heaven is more wonderful than you can even imagine. It's more incredible than we can even describe, but I also saw into hell, (laughs) and it's more terrifying. And there's these two distinct places. The other thing they talk about is this, a life review. We talk about that a lot. We say, man, my, my life flashed before my eyes, right? My, my life was there. But there is literally a life review that takes place where, where all of a sudden, all the things in your life, but every one of them would say, it wasn't judgmental. It wasn't something where I was like, oh, it, it was times where I noticed that how I could have helped somebody how I could have been more involved, how I could have invested in the things of God. And, and there was this review that came across. And in that moment, I knew the things that were important and the things that weren't. The things that were gonna last and the things that weren't. And so it, it, you have this life review. And, and then all of them talk about knowing people in heaven. And how awesome is that, right? You know people in heaven. And we'll get into this more in the upcoming weeks. But But how awesome, man. People who who you love, who've gone on before you. And you, you see them, they'll talk about seeing their parents or seeing their siblings or even siblings that have passed. And they hadn't seen it in a long time. They recognize them immediately. Sometimes at a funeral, we'll say, well, I'm sorry about your loss. And you kind of want to go, well, they're not lost. <laughs> if they're a Christ follower, I know exactly where they are, right? They're in heaven and you'll be with them again one day. And, and then the last thing they talk about is this, is this feeling of being completely loved and accepted. That when you are in Christ, you stand there and you are not guilty of your sin. You are clothed in the righteousness of God Almighty. And you see Jesus behold Him and you feel this love, you feel this acceptance. Can you imagine being fully known and fully accepted? That's heaven. That's heaven. You see, guys, for all of us, right? The mortality rate today is 100%. I mean, every one of us is gonna die. And I pray you have a lot more years on this earth. I pray that you use those years to be the the man or woman God created you to be. I pray that you use those years to make a difference for God's kingdom and for God's glory, that you love the people around you well. But one day, we'll all pass through that gate, right? Jesus said, I am the gate, right? I am the way. And we will stand before God. And he's gonna ask us two questions. One, he's gonna say, what did you do with my son Jesus? Right? Did you accept Christ? They separate the sheep from the goats. Right? Did you ever make a profession of your faith? And if you haven't, why not today? <laughs> right here, right now. There comes a time when I confess my sins. I, I repent. That means to turn back to God. God, forgive me for these sins. And God, I want you to be the Lord of my life. And I want to follow you. I want to be a disciple of yours. The second question he's going to say is, what did you do with your life? You just use it for your own kingdom to build your own stuff, right? You know, I, I, we'll talk about this more in the coming weeks, but, but listen, please, God's blessed you. God's given you opportunities. Let's make a difference together. About six years ago, uh, I was in a restaurant over in Cool Springs at Jason's Deli. And my, my phone rings and I pick it up and there are these friends of mine and I'd recognize the number they called and, and I knew exactly where they were. They were in Hawaii, and I thought they were calling just to give me a hard time. Like, they're like, hey, we're in Hawaii, and you're not. It's really cold there in Nashville, and it's really warm and beautiful here in Hawaii. And so I answer the phone. I'm like, why are y'all even calling me, right? You're like, well, what are you doing? You know, you're just gloating. You're giving me a hard time. And, and they go, no, no, seriously, Jeff, stop. Seriously, we need you to pray. And I was like, yeah, pray for what, right? You know, that, yeah, as you lay out on the beach. I mean, what, what am I praying for? And they go, no, on our phones, it just came across a text message that said, this is not a drill. Ballistic missiles have been launched at Hawaii. Take cover immediately. I was like, no, you're lying. What, what are you talking about? And they go, no, we're serious. And they said, people are freaking out. They said, everybody in the hotel, they're running around. They're scared to death. People are running and jumping in the ocean. People are crying. I said, are you sure? And they said, everybody got it. We went down and we asked the, the person in the hotel lobby, everybody's got it and they're going crazy. And I said, well, what are you doing? and they said, we're praying. They said, we're in our hotel room and, and we're gathered together and we're okay. And we just wanted you to pray for us and we're gonna put it on speakerphone and put it in the center of our circle right here. Would you just pray a prayer right now because we're getting ready to meet Jesus. And I love my friends and, and in that moment I prayed for them, but I also thought, God, you gave us a peace in the middle of not knowing, right? But we know that we have a savior. We don't know when we're gonna meet him, but we know that whenever that time comes that we can have peace because heaven awaits because God is good and because God loves you and he's prepared a place for you. Guys, listen, D.L. Moody, the great evangelist, he said this, he said, one day you're gonna read in the newspaper, D.L. Moody died. Don't believe a word of it. For at that moment, I will be more alive than ever before. It's heaven and it awaits you. I wanna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today. Maybe today is a day of salvation. (laughs) Maybe a day right where you sit, you go, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I wanna be sure. I wanna know. And you can know without a doubt, when you say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I repent, I come to you. And I'm gonna follow you the rest of my days. I wanna be a disciple. I wanna grow in my faith. Maybe for you, if you look at your life, you just kind of go, man, I've been living for the things of this world. I haven't been living for the things of God. And God, today, I wanna be involved. I wanna commit. I want the rest of my life to be the best of my life right now. God, today, I want to invest in the things that matter. My relationship with you, my relationship with my family, friends, my church, getting involved. God, this is my time. Maybe for you, you just want to say thank you, God, for heaven. (laughs) God, give me a sense of joy and expectancy at what is to come. And let me make the most of this time until that time comes. So, Father, here we are, your disciples. God, we are so thankful for your word. We're so thankful, God, that you tell us what is to come, that we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in guilt or in shame, that we are a new creation of Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. Thank you for heaven and the joy and the bliss that awaits. Thank you for Jesus, who is the way, the truth, the life, and that we could come to the Father today. Thank you for Jesus we love you and we dedicate the rest of our lives to you. It's in the beautiful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Be sure to share this episode with any friends and family who may benefit from it. And make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you want to learn more about Rolling Hills, download Church Center, our Rolling Hills app. Follow us on social media or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.